Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, unless she performs the most extraordinary U-turn, Serena Williams' career is over. And it is over after the most dramatic, spectacular, spine-tingling night of tennis in the Arthur Ashe Stadium that I think I can possibly imagine you, we could have ever had. I've been doing this for 20 years, and I commentated on the second set of the match, and I am going to be, to use one of our own words, reliving it all night long, I think, to be quite honest. It was just incredible, it, and, I'm, and I'm not exaggerating. The match she's had today against Ayla Tomljanovic to bring down the curtain on her career in front of the biggest single-day crowd in US Open history. That's how many people came through the gates today, and it was an utter privilege to be there to witness it. I'm David Law. I'm joined by Matt Roberts. The third member of the tennis podcast team is Catherine Whitaker. She's not with us tonight. It's very, very late. She's got to be up incredibly early. And so we have decided to wait for her takes tomorrow. And we're going to be asking her everything about Serena Williams because she watched that match back at the hotel room. We all had different experiences tonight. Catherine was watching on TV. Matt was in the stadium, in the Arthur Ashe Stadium, out there in the seats. I was commentating on the radio in the commentary box. Um, So we're all coming at it from different um, angles, but... Trust me, Catherine's take will be worth it. We'll be getting that tomorrow. But for tonight, Matt, it's you and me. And we've got to try and make some sense of what we've just witnessed. Yeah. <laughs> How was your night? Well, I was I was holding it together until um, until Serena destroyed me when she said, uh, I wouldn't be Serena if there wasn't Venus. Yeah. And that was the moment really um there was this knowing look between them venus was in tears venus the the big sister the protector they've shared so much and yeah that moment broke me (laughs) and i'm now trying to have to find words uh but it was it was an extraordinary night you know the opening night of this us open was extraordinary 
Wednesday night was extraordinary and I think tonight took it to another level yet again um, there were just so many fitting moments for Serena Williams's last tennis match you know I'm, I'm sure we'll talk more in depth about them but I will always remember the second set you know the one that you commentated on it was everything it was exhilarating um, and I will always remember the final game <laughs> where she just refused to lose you know I tweeted career point down Serena making making a very late play for the best Serena Williams imaginable because she just kept hitting winners and refusing to lose and it was just everything and those two things that second set and that final game were just were just perfect yeah they, they were perfect before we go through the rest of the match um, I just uh, wanted to remind you that the tennis podcast during the US Open is brought to you in association with AO Travel who provide the Australian Open experience the easy way AO Travel can help you create your own package of tickets for the days and sessions and courts of your choosing at the 2023 Australian Open they'll take care of your flights accommodation premium experiences such as wine tasting behind the scenes tours and even a Rod Laver Arena walk-on experience so go to ozopentravel.com for details of how to get the best of both the best tennis the best of what melbourne has to offer all in one place and it did amuse me one quick serena note on that she was asked to is there any chance you might reconsider is this is this definitely it and she goes well you know i always did like australia (laughs) (laughs) so Anyway, who knows? Who knows? Maybe she'll be in Australia if you go. Coming up with iconic lines until the end. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, ozopentravel.com. Go and have a look at what they've got to offer. It really is, it really is an incredible offering. Um, and we've got a fantastic competition, by the way, for you to win um, a package for you and whoever you want to take with you if you're you have to be a friend of the tennis podcast in order to win it. Uh, I'll give you all the details at the end of the show about it. So... This match, in terms of its its chronology, I thought she'd win. I thought Serena Williams would win, first and foremost, because I think she was playing away into form. I actually think this is the best she played of all the three matches, which tells you how well Isla Tomljanovic played. She was phenomenal. I mean, <laughs> where did that come where from? Where did that come I mean, from? She's had a good year, but even so, come on. She was extraordinary. I mean, if you followed her career, you know that she has often I think would be fair to say struggled in some big moments and under pressure and today she just played the most sort of ice cold brilliant match in all the big moments her hitting was phenomenal she has a a lethal backhand. I mean, I really do think I need to be reconsidering the backhand list. And Hold on a minute. Who's going to get ditched for Isla Tomljanovic to get into Matt's top five backhands of all time? Well, current backhands. Oh, OK. Mm. OK, yeah, we still haven't worked. We still haven't worked. We're yet. still working on the list. You need at least proper. two more years to come mm. up with that. Yeah, right. okay. but I mean, just extraordinary. And yet also she was defending really well today and absorbing Serena's power the best match I've ever seen her play I'm pretty sure she would say the same she was absolutely unreal yeah and and to to put it into context I I felt the the nerve she showed the the heart 
the mm. the refusal to yield. I mean, I thought Annette Conservate played a good match the other night, but you could see her visibly shaken at moments by what was going on out there. I didn't see that with Tom Ljanovic. She, in fact, she steeled herself the more kind of testy it got out there, really. Totally, and I think that you know she was four love down in that second set, wasn't she? And I think she ended up losing that second set, but she did a lot of the work that helped her win the third set in yes. that second set. Yeah, you know, did. by making it such a battle, such a contest. And she was five three down in the first set. So yeah, and she reeled off four games in a row. I mean, this I, I'm sure Serena Williams being the the competitor that she is she'll probably there'll probably be a little 10 minute spell maybe look I don't know well enough to know for sure but I can't imagine she won't lie there thinking how did I let 5-3 go in that first set how did she get back into it at 4-love how you know yeah well I think as much as I think she realised that in many ways this was a fitting ending there was also a line that she gave where she said I I should have started sooner, you know, I should have started sooner my comeback, you know, because yeah. she has been getting better. And that was actually quite quite a revealing line, I think, because, yes, OK, I'm, she probably is pretty much at peace with this and she spoke in her press conference as much as she gave that line about Australia. She did also, I think, row back from the any possibility of there being a comeback by talking about, you know, the next phase of her life, really, that she's ready for now. But... There might just be a, a tiny bit of regret in there that, yeah, if she had played a little bit earlier in the season and built up to this just with a slightly longer road in, who knows what she could have done at this tournament because she was playing really, really well on very, very little tennis. Yeah. I mean, there were, these were dynamic points, lunging and diving and jumping and... smashing the ball left right and centre I mean it was just it was so good the the tennis was so good just stripping it down to the tennis it was top draw stuff oh it was it was unbelievable the the sequence at the end of the second set tie break it was four all in the second set tie break and Serena hit an ace to go 5-4 up there was then I think a 20 shot rally which she finished with a a pummeling forehand winner she ended up winning the set she broke at the start of the third she did her her trademark walk around the other side of the net which I now realise that's the last time we'll see that from her oh that's you've given me a little bit of a lump in my throat thinking (laughs) about that and I I just I just wanted to live in that moment you know I, I didn't want it to break I didn't want it to end and it was it was stunning. It's it's weird, we you know when you're when you're commentating on BBC Radio, like I, I got the chance to do tonight on that second set, and uh, I really do feel privileged to have had the the chance to do that. It's the middle of the night in the UK, and it's not like being at Wimbledon when it's six pm, and you know that the drive time audience is an, is enormous, and people are going home from work and they're listening to you before they get home, and um, but. It's, it's special in its own way, being in the middle of the night from New York. And those that are up and are listening to it, not everybody, some of them probably hated it, but some of them 
are hanging on every word because they get to, it's not it's not about the commentary as much as the as the sound the sound of that stadium tonight if you hear that sound you can't turn the radio off no and i, I mean honestly it's the loudest thing i've ever heard it's radio and a lot and there are quite long periods when i just shut up and just let people listen to what it's like to be in that stadium um and to let people feel what serena williams has meant to people in that stadium because there were moments in that match where she was more important to them than any than anything in their lives you know i mean look it's only it's only sort of sport and it's for a fleeting period but it, but it's also encapsulating for a lot of people i'm sure in that place the effect she's had on them in their lives and she has moved and touched a hell of a lot of people millions of people around the world um and what I loved about it, I, I was, I was asked to talk about whether it's a shame she didn't win the match and that sort of thing. And Russell Fuller, my my colleague on radio, said, "I hope she leaves it there and and never goes on a tennis court professionally again because I want that to be the memory." And my mind went back to 2006 and Andre Agassi having a very similar match to this one against Marcus Bagdatis, which he won. And by the time he got out against Benjamin Becker, there was not much left of him. He couldn't really compete. And I didn't want to see Serena Williams go onto the court against Lyudmila Samsonova, who's in great form, and and be a ghost of, of who she normally is, you know, because it would be, I think, nigh on impossible to come back from this performance and be properly competitive aged 40. I just don't see how you could do it. So, to me, tonight was was perfect really she gave us the greatest hits of Serena Williams and oh loved it there was a line Mary Carrillo gave in commentary about what will be her lasting memory of Serena and she said Serena can dance on the lip of the volcano and come up with the goods the idea being that at the moment of danger in a tennis match when everything is on the line Serena can bring it she can do stuff that no other tennis player has ever been able to do and she lives for those moments you know Serena herself spoke in her press conference about what she brought to tennis she said this intensity this passion and I go back to that final game tonight and what you're saying right there Obviously, the most fitting end for Serena would have been, in many ways, winning, because that's what she's done throughout her whole career. But if it wasn't going to be that, it was, it was that final game where, yeah, she was dancing on the lip of the volcano and just playing the most spellbinding tennis when her career was one point from being over. And because she, she knows no other way, you know, and... <laughs> It was perfect. It really, it was perfect. Uh, I had the, the the chance to commentate on the first four games of that second set when I would say Williams was unplayable. Oh, I'd forgotten about those four games. Yeah. She, she was hitting winners galore. And it didn't matter what Tom Janovic did. And Tom Janovic was not playing no, badly. It was like a wave crashing down on Tom Janovic yeah. and she had no choice but to just be hit by it yeah and carried along with it and hope that it stops at some point and she because 
Williams just decided, came back from that first set and just decided, right then, that didn't work. Let's see if this works. And she just took it to Tom Ljanovic in a way that was, I don't know, it was just just irresistible. And uh, and I said to Laura Robson, who who was commentating with us, for for people who who maybe can't remember back that far, but if we go back ten years ago or fifteen years ago, what made Serena Williams great? And she said, well, the four games that you've just seen, it was like that all the time. Mm. You know, she just you just didn't have a chance. I mean, I think Laura played Serena, and she said, you know, she'd be constantly put in bullets on your on your toes on the on the baseline and if you ever did get a short ball which was so it would be so rare that you would panic and you would miss and and she would just yeah she just use a use the wave analogy you just crash all over you and you you can forget it um so the fact that Ila Tomljanovic found a way to win this match is an extraordinary achievement because and she even (laughs) fair play to her she even had a bit of back and forth with the crowd at one point because she got fed up I think she got fed up of being applauded when she hit a double fault or when she hit a fault and cheered when she hit a double fault and she said a couple of words and then they booed her really loudly and she just about managed to stop herself from having another go because it could have been quite uncomfortable um but it took us into the, the final moments and the interviews on court. And I really, I really enjoyed the way Serena Williams opened up and the emotion that she showed, the way she thanked her parents. And she, she said what she said about Venus. You know, there wouldn't be a Serena Williams without Venus. Um, and to see the tear of Venus, I mean, it was incredibly moving and thanked everybody, remembered everybody, it felt like. Um, and then you had Tom Ljanovic, who just said, she's the greatest of all time, period. I love her as much as you do. And I, it was lovely, really. It was yeah. lovely. She was very classy there, Tom Ljanovic, wasn't she? Um, yeah, there was, the, there was this strange period in the match for me where... I suddenly realised that this could be the end. This could be the night because, you know, people would have heard us on the podcast a couple of days ago. I, I was really allowing my mind to race about what was possible for Serena here. I just, you know, even after she lost the first set, I didn't really think Serena was going to lose. And then she races out to the four-love lead. I'm starting to think, okay, we're, you know, we're back on track. It was, it was only really in that third set where it did become obvious. And well, because she broke for one love. She broke for one love, exactly. And you think, oh, oh, here we go then. Yeah, and then, <laughs> you know, Tom Janowicz just played incredible tennis until the end of the match. Um, so there just wasn't that much time to sort of process it all, I think, because she was making us feel so alive. You know, her tennis was alive and kicking and it was brilliant tennis for, for then moments later for it for that to be the end of her career it was just it was just a lot and then followed by all all of Serena's words in the ceremony and yeah just just ended me <laughs> and also a great press comment she again I don't, I don't feel like the media we know Serena Williams that well 
there are loads and loads of reasons for that I'm sure from you know you're going back over 20 years uh, of her career but she she showed something of herself maybe that we don't get to see very often she showed her humor for a start when she came into the press conference she was very funny I thought um, when with that little sort of look in her eye when she said I, oh, I've always loved Australia and then there was another one where Chris Clary asked her what her what she's most proud of over the fortnight and she said uh, not smashing any rackets and um, having a good attitude <laughs> she said even though I didn't want to <laughs> it was you know all jokes but I liked it and um, yeah she's um, she seemed to me quite, as as far as you can be quite at peace with where, with where it, it is ending um, she gave everything she gave everything and she can have no regrets and it was just we, we were all the beneficiaries of it yeah Howard Bryant of ESPN described her earlier in the week I read as a living calendar for so many people and I thought that was a beautiful turn of phrase and that, I, th- I think that's how a lot of people will be feeling tonight you know they will have they will have marked their lives by watching Serena Williams matches and doing exactly what you were doing tonight and you know waking up in the middle of the night for matches or commentary or you know whatever and they will remember where they were when Serena won or lost or they will remember you know what era of Serena it was by what she was wearing and you know all of that is, is is just it's all part of the Serena story and yeah I think tennis you know there was tennis before Serena there will be tennis after Serena but she changed tennis forever she really really did and we will be talking about Serena Williams forever you know yeah Um, I think you're right including tomorrow I'm sure because we want to get Catherine's views on on Serena and what she witnessed and I think we'll want to reflect a little bit more maybe on Serena's career as well more generally just to have a think about her impact Um, even even during a Grand Slam her it can't really be just glossed over and I mean look, I know Catherine's gutted not to be on this show tonight she she we, we discussed it and we discussed no you mustn't tonight it's too late you've got to be up too early and she wasn't feeling great so uh, we, we want to make sure she's feeling great tomorrow yeah we really do and you know you say that even even during a grand slam it is it is extraordinary that other things are happening at this tournament. You know, it has just been so much about Serena. You know, some people, some people's experience of Serena Williams' last ever tennis match was watching Nick Kyrgios versus JJ Wolf on the Lewis Armstrong Stadium. You know, yeah. a sort of where were you when? <laughs> I was, I was there, but not there. You know, it's it's oh, it's extraordinary the way she has taken over this tournament as as she should yeah yeah absolutely planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. 
A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello tennis podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. It's quarter to midnight here in New York. Matt and I are sitting outside the media centre. Serena has just been into her press conference. Still floodlights all around, illuminating all the match courts that are are no longer in use now. Uh, There is only one more match still going on at this time of night and that's Daniel Medvedev has just taken the first set as we come to you um, against uh, Wu Yubing uh, of China uh, who's 174 in the world. It's a great story that he's, he's in that match and he's making his way um, but as Matt said it's been an incredibly full day and actually it's been I was thinking about this earlier it's been the total opposite of what we had yesterday that conversation we had where we said oh nothing's much has happened today but the good news is now we get the promise of all the good <laughs> matches still to come because all the big names are still in okay well today that has been the opposite because <laughs> Serena Williams has played her final match and I would suggest that um, a couple of the other big names that we thought might be through uh, are not. Yes, yeah, spoiler, the Sarandi Slam is, is not happening. <laughs> it's not happening. Sorry, <laughs> Catherine. Um, and that's because Andy Murray played first, first up today on the Arthras Stadium court at 12 o'clock and he was taking on Matteo Berrettini, um, the Wimbledon runner-up of last year. And it was four sets very very close and I think I think Murray played really well I think Berrettini is just such a credit to himself I mean he's a really good player for a start but he just doesn't let you down does he if you're a fan of his he shows up he never beats himself at these slams in particular Uh, and, and I like how he does seem to get better during the slams you know he, he seems to relish these big events uh, and yes yeah, so I mean I would like to formally apologise because I obviously did say that Andy Murray <laughs> would win um, what was that about getting carried away <laughs> it's so easy to do though isn't it and look Murray did a lot of the things that I thought he would you know he, he played well and needed to do and he needed to do um, he I think his serve cost him a bit at the end of the first set and the second set there were some 
some untimely double faults. He actually didn't serve very well throughout the match. That was something he picked up on in his press conference. Um, Berrettini is, yeah, he's he's so tough and he's got he's got ways to beat you. You know, he he has got an amazing serve. He has got an amazing forehand. But I also think his his touch at the net holds up pretty well, and he ca- he can cope with some of that Murray variety. Um, he, he was brilliant, and in, you know, in many ways, it was a it was a classic Andy Murray Grand Slam match in that it, it kept a grip on you, you know, throughout the day. You know, it was four hours long, and there was hope that ended up sort of killing you. When he did take that third set, he went up a break at the start of the fourth, but but Berrettini got it back, and I think he ended up with a you know, feeling conflicted about it because, you know, he's disappointed that he lost. He he expects still a lot of himself, and he he was playing well. He had chances, but also he realizes how far he's come. You know, he is playing with a metal hip, and he is, you know, I think up up into around about forty in the world now. And there were people that told him he would never play tennis professionally again, and that motivates him. And he's proud of his efforts. Um, I, I just think if I were Andy Murray, as as good as Matteo Berrettini is, I still think it must be a bit of a stinging loss for him because, you know, Andy Murray at his best is better than Matteo Berrettini. Yeah, and yeah. he sees the way that Nadal and Djokovic can still handle Berrettini. And he spoke about this. He said, you know, they can still move like they could five or six years ago. And Murray just simply can't because of his injuries and that must be a little bit painful I'd have thought as well as well as how how proud he is of how far he's come I think the other element to this I mean he was very irritated at his own inability to get his serve going wasn't he in the first two sets I mean he was around 49% first serves in those first couple of sets and he lost his serve I think twice at about four all in those two sets you know, he's right in there. He's putting pressure on in the first set. I think Hannah summed it up perfectly on our Twitter, our tennis podcast, by the way, on Twitter, if you want to follow what Hannah's doing every day. It's, it's just the best, honestly. Uh, she's so funny and, and insightful. Um, and you can just watch along with her, basically. But she, she said all the highlight real shots are coming from Andy Murray. There was a, a mm. running single-handed backhand pass. There was a, a high backhand volley drop shot. It was amazing over his over his shoulder. There was, there was so a, um, a missed smash that ended up as a drop shot. That was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, he just sort of brushed the frame of the racket against the ball to impart backspin. <laughs> Not intentionally, I should add. He tried to smash it and missed, but just just brushed the ball with the frame of the racket and it turned into a drop shot winner and they both had a good laugh about that but I mean Berrettini was a great sport he was clapping Murray's passing shot with one hand and all the rest of it but he didn't break when he was doing all these highlight shots and then he was immediately broken by Diesel down the other end who's just sort of chugging along and doing what he does Um, and it's immensely frustrating for Murray and I just wonder I I may be wrong about this it may be a physical element that comes from the surgery meaning he can't move quite as quickly as he used to etc but champions no matter how great they are they do get old and they don't just get old physically they get a little bit older psychologically and in terms of mental strength Martina Navratilova is somebody who's told me this 
um, that your nerve does go a little bit. And, and I remember always remember Leighton Hewitt losing a lot of matches that he was a break-up in the fifth in late in his career. And Murray was so close today in, in these sets, and yet he finds himself two sets down. He somehow wins the third set on a tie-break. It's brilliant. He's close all the way through in the fourth set. But it's those couple of points where he's just having a letdown. He had it against John Isner uh, at Wimbledon. Now, that it may be a physical thing, but I just sense that he and Serena tonight a little bit as well, there's just an, an edge that they lose. Yeah, and I think also with Murray, if he'd won today, that would have been his 11th comeback from two sets down in his career. He's... He's the joint open era leader in that stat as it is, which does tell you that, you know, even when he was in his prime, he was quite often involved in matches like this. And he was good enough, he was, I don't know, young enough, he was mentally strong enough to overcome those lapses. And I just think, yeah, maybe maybe now he can't quite so much. And also, he's not... He's not in that position very often anymore. You know, he, uh, he did have a two sets to love down victory at the at the uh, COVID US Open, didn't he, against yes. Nishioka? But he, he's just not used to playing these big high stakes matches quite so much as when he was in his prime. And I just think that probably counts for a little bit as well. Not being quite so match tight and match sharp. And yeah, I think you're right. So Matteo Berrettini now goes through to face Alejandro Davidovich Fikina, who beat uh, Daniel Gallan in four sets. Um, there were some other really, really good matches on the men's side. Casper um, Ruud winning a five-setter against Tommy Paul, which was just nip and tuck all the way through. And then it was like somebody unplugged Tommy Paul in the fifth set. The poor guy suddenly couldn't play. Yeah, well, it was his 15th set of the tournament because he'd played five setters in rounds one and round two. Oh, had he? I didn't know. And I think a large part of it was just he, he just was gone a little bit. Um, he's obviously an incredibly fit guy, but that's that's a lot to take on in sh- such a short space of time. And, and Rude's relentless. You know, Rude just keeps top spinning that forehand and pushing you back, and it's such a heavy ball. It must be tiring to play that that rude shot uh, but it was a fun match they they both won 28 shot rallies in the match you know which just kind of tells you the sort of tennis on display they really matched up nicely against each other um, yeah big win for rude that on, yeah. a, on a hard court against an informed player it's just another marker of rude you know of his evolution as a player I suppose yeah no I agree uh, he, he's tough isn't he he's he oh yeah doesn't give you much um, and he's he's prepared to go into the trenches he's prepared to go into dark unpleasant waters in order to get wins and um, and I've got a lot of lot of respect for him in that regard also got a lot of respect for for Jack Draper who's only 20 years of age and he was giving Karen Hachanov a terrible time, really. He was a set down, t- serving terribly in the first set draper. He only got 39% first serves in in that set. But then he started to find his feet on the grandstand court, and he just turned the match on its head. He's one set all. He was three love up. He had a point for four love. He was playing beautifully. And Hachanov was 
was getting dominated and he was getting rattled as well. He was ratty with the crowd. He was fed up of them cheering his opponent and not him. And at one point he put his finger to his lips really animatedly and quite dramatically. Um, and I thought, oh, is this where we see Karen Hatchinov's fangs? And he goes and takes this match over. Well, he lost the next two points and got <laughs> broken uh, by Jack Draper. And then, unfortunately, Draper stretched out wide to a, to a ball on his forehand side and he pulled his hamstring. And he kept going. He did serve for the, mat, for the set at 5-2, but by then, I mean, he was barely reaching up for the serve. Um, and so he had to withdraw and retire from the match towards the end of the third set. I mean, look, I don't think Hatchinoff played badly. I think he was contributed to his win, but I don't think he wins if Draper stays fully fit. Interesting, yeah. I, 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 didn't, I didn't get to see any of that match, but I think Draper had a really good perspective on it in, in his press conference afterwards. I think he, he recognises that he needs to... You know, it's, it's unlucky, an injury, but also I think he realises that he has had... I think he's had that exact injury before, hasn't he? And he knows that he needs to get physically stronger for the tour. And, you know, he's already incredibly physically strong. He's, he's a big guy. He, he, but, yeah, it, it's a shame that, that his sort of North American summer ended like that because, as you said, he, he quite possibly could have won that match today. What it does do, you would think, is solve the Davis Cup selection headache that we were talking about <laughs> yesterday because you know I don't think he's going to be able to play in just a couple of weeks yeah so Dan Evans you're safe <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely um so where, where does that put Casper Rude now in terms of his opponent who's he got next Casper Rude now plays Corentin Mute oh who uh was a lucky loser I think he yeah. he, he lost in qualifying uh, and he's, he's made it all the way through to the last 16. And Karen Hatchinov now plays Pablo Carreño Busta, who got the better of Alex Dimonor in, uh, I guess you would call it a game of two halves, because the first two sets were 6-1, 6-1 to P- Pablo Carreño Busta, and it very nearly ended up in a fifth set, because Alex Dimonor was fighting back, and one of the best points of the tournament was match point and uh, it ended on a Pablo Carreño Busta tweener lob which Dumanor did get a racket to but couldn't couldn't get it back in the court and there was this amazing wide angle shot on match point of just the emotions of victory and defeat you know you got Pablo Carreño Busta lying on his back and the crowd behind him jumping up and celebrating and then you've got Alex de Menor smashing his racket in the foreground and it was just just <laughs> an incredible contrast I do love that I mean look I, I, I feel for de Menor, I mean that's a good fight back but he must be fuming losing two sets 6-1 6-1 like that early on I mean I didn't watch the match I don't know what happened maybe he had a tummy bag maybe I don't know who knows but uh, but that that's a rough way to start, and you you you're fighting such an uphill battle. And I, um, we've got an absolutely fascinating fourth round match in prospect if things keep going as they are. Because Nick Kyrgios beat uh, JJ Wolf pretty comfortably six four six two six three. Daniel Medvedev is comfortably in charge against Wu, 
6-4-3 love. So we could well have Kyrgios against Medvedev in the last 16. Where's Catherine wow. to say yes, please? <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it. Yes, please. And that would be, I think, their third match this year because they played in the Australian Open and, and Medvedev won. They played recently and, and, and Nick Kyrgios won. Mm. It's a good little rivalry, a good match-up. And, yeah, Kyrgios is playing extremely well. Yeah, that would be Sunday. So we'll keep uh, we'll keep an eye on it, and we'll be able to preview it properly tomorrow if uh, if that match does come to fruition. Um, I started my day, Matt, on the Louis Armstrong court um, because I, I really wanted to sample the press seats there, which are the closest thing to my beloved Suzanne Longlen. Mm-hmm court seats that we, that we have really here at the US Open because they're, they're a bit further back you know they're not quite as close and intimate as a, a setting and the, the acoustics aren't quite as good nothing's quite as good let's be <laughs> honest but it is good I do like the Louis Armstrong arena and um, I was there to watch Ons Jabeur against Shelby Rogers at the start of the day 11 o'clock match really good crowd in right from the off good crowd obviously sporting the American but a really warm reception for Ons Jabeur mm. which I was chuffed to see I mean she'd got her own supporters there I think people who had gone to see her but I just think there's a general appreciation of her now having seen her at Wimbledon she's become more well known people love her game and her attitude and her personality she's, she's just really popular um, and this was a good match I mean it was high quality Jabeur won it in the end but to be honest, I didn't really see that coming after Rogers won the first set. And given I'd said Rogers would win, I'd got a small vested interest uh, in the predictions that are going to be in the newsletter for tomorrow. My three-day run has come to an end, and I've now I'm now on a two-day run of incorrect predictions. Yes, I started my day there as well, David. And I mean, it feels like a lifetime ago, having watch the Serena match tonight but it's 13 hours ago <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm remembering back to it and I loved it I really loved this match and Shelby Rogers played one of the smartest sets of tennis I've ever seen really against Ash Barty at the US Open last year mm. where she came back from a double breakdown to win it she started effectively moonballing and just yeah. took the oh, Ash Barty slice away yes. you know Barty wasn't able to hit it and I was thinking about that set watching this because obviously Jabur's got a lot of variety as well. Different variety to Barty, but variety all the same. And I felt like Rogers was dealing with it brilliantly. You know, she's she's a power hitter, but she's also really consistent from the back of the court. She's, yeah. got, she's got lovely what coaches were called shape on the ball. Oh, yeah. And sort of safety. And I just, I just like watching her play. And I did think that she had Jabur. She was 4-3 up in the second set a set up and then Jabur won 20 of the next 22 points and it was like Jabur said oh okay you're you're countering that variety let me do this then and she just she just turned it up and what I'm talking about is stuff like hitting winners from literally on the floor as she did at one point and it was just Jabur saying fine okay I've got all of these tricks up my sleeve and she was absolutely sublime for the for the remainder of that match. Um, Rogers did have a little fight back. She saved five or six match points. Um, 
She also had some treatment on her elbow, Rogers, which I did maybe think impacted that final set. But yeah, I saw Jabir play brilliant, brilliant tennis in the in the latter portion of that match. An absolute joy to watch, a shot maker's dream. However, she now faces Veronica Kudamatova, who has a three and head-to-head winning record against her. Wow, I and wouldn't have Jabir expected said, that. Yeah, that record's in my head. You know, I know that I know that she's a problem for me. Uh, so absolutely fascinating to see yeah. how she how she copes with that can't wait to find out that's going to be really really good um, well I think I maybe have seen one of the most informed players in the world today in Caroline Garcia mm. she beat Bianca Andreescu 6-3 6-2 she's awesome at the moment the way she is just taking on the serve in particular with her return inside the baseline and just going for broke with utter conviction and confidence mm. There's just no doubt in her mind, is there, about how she wants to play. It's different. It's a different Caroline Garcia. I mean, I do think Serena going out does change the feel of the tournament. You know, we spoke about it yesterday, how under the radar everyone feels because it's all about Serena. Everyone's being asked about Serena. You know, suddenly now Caroline Garcia is a bigger deal in this in this side of the draw. And does that change something for her you know um, I think the vibrations of Serena will be felt for a, a you know a bit longer but she's not going to be playing so it's going to be more focused on other players and if if Garcia can handle all of that which is still a little bit of a question mark her tennis is looking as good as anyone in the tournament I think as anyone in the world and yeah she Every time I looked over at that screen, she was just hitting winners past past Andrescu. She's in some form. Who was in form herself? You know, mm. Andrescu is a champion here from three years ago, and I don't think she's playing badly. So it, it tells you, it tells you something. Um, she now faces Alison Risk, who beat um, Wang Ziyu. Um, Risk is a player I just. I just I'm always quite pleased for her when she has a good run because I know how hard she works and how you know decent a person she seems to be. Um, and so you know she's into what's this now round four? Yep, second week. She doesn't mind upsetting an apple cart or two. Um, talking to players who played really well, Coco Goff was mm. the match that followed Andy Murray um, and Matteo Berrettini onto Arthur Stadium Court, and I'd been predicting a, a, a difficult match against Madison Keys next year I, I wavered really on whether I thought Keys might be the favourite in that and eventually came down on the side of I just trust Goff more mm. and I do think that that was part of it I think maybe Goff is becoming a better player, actually just a better tennis player than maybe I thought I'm so taken by her attitude and how wonderfully she speaks and how she never sort of lets you down mentally that I tend to concentrate on that but I think she's getting a lot better as a tennis player now and is more of a handful I agree that was kind of my takeaway from the match as well that you know I I kind of knew she would out compete Madison Keys because she out competes everyone but pretty much everyone but I also thought she outplayed her you know and I think she hit fewer forehand errors than Keys and more forehand winners. Certainly that was true very late in the match. I, I don't quite know whether it changed right at the end. But 
you know, that's the weaker wing for Goff and the and the strength of Keys. And Goff was just better and felt like she was reading where Keys was going to hit the ball. She was just always, always a step ahead, um, anticipating the play really well. Her backhand is is probably list worthy as well. It's a great, great shot. Um, and yeah, she was she was brilliant today. And, and she's now completed her set of getting to the sec- the second week at every slam. She'd never done it at the U.S. Open, and she's still only 18. And you know, some players who who haven't done that, you know, Sitsipas, Team, Osaka, Benchich, you know, players with a way more experience than her. And she she shows up at big events. She shows up at every event really now and yeah she's she's a contender for this title you know I feel I don't know whether, I hope this doesn't sound bad but I feel really proud as somebody who works in tennis that there's a tennis player like Coco Goff in it just as a human being I just think she's wonderful mm. um, and I'm really chuffed that it's the sport we work in that she plays um, anyway she's got Zhang Shui next who beat uh, Rebecca Moreno. I was actually reading a few tweets from uh, Reem Abulel about the press comments that Zheng Shui did today, and she just, she just said it was one of her favourite ever press conferences <laughs> just because of how many funny things she was saying. And, and this is a big one for, for Zheng Shui because this completes her set of reaching the second week of every Grand Slam tournament. She's reached the fourth round of the US Open and the French Open. She's reached the quarterfinals of the Australian Open and Wimbledon. Um, you know, and this is a, a woman who had that extraordinary run of defeats in first rounds at Grand Slams until she finally had the run in 2016 at the Australian Open. I think she lo- she lost about 11 first rounds in a row. She'd never won any at all, um, and she's made such a good career for herself, age 33. Um, that having been said, I think that's not a bad draw for Coco Goff. Zhang has got a really nice backhand herself. You're going to be in heaven, you are. <laughs> you should go and just watch that for the backhand exchanges. That is why we love the WTA Tour. <laughs> it is full of great backhands. Sure is. But Goff's is just better, I think, ultimately, because it's one of the... I'd be putting it in the top five. I mean, I think you're going to have to make room for it. Well, the thing is, the list is not a list of the top five backhands. It's, it's a sort of backhands with a sort of special quality about it but they do have to be good backhands and Goffs might be so good that it just by being so good it sort of gets itself on the list and and also what about that one from a couple of days ago when uh, when mm. Rusa hit that massive ground stroke into it and then she just sort of said I've had enough of this yeah what I'm thinking is Bogdan and Raducanu out <laughs> Goff and Tomjanovic in. Oh, dear, dear, dear. You sure you don't want to sleep on that? Maybe I do. <laughs> okay. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Well, let's just have a little look at the order of play for tomorrow. Uh, just a very quick look at the latest score. Oh, it's 6-4-5-2 now for Daniel Medvedev. Um, and that's the last match that's on the court today. Tomorrow starts on Ash at 12 o'clock with Jessica Bagula against Juan. Uh, we've got Carlos Alcaraz against Jensen Brooksby. Oh, dear, looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, the night session match uh, begins with Rafael Nadal against Richard Gasquet. Then Elise Corne against Daniel Collins. <laughs> Why does that make me laugh every time I think about it? Oh, brilliant. 
then we've got on Armstrong, Garbinia Magarutha against Petra Kvitova to start off with. I mean, if that's at 11 o'clock, I'm going to be there, I'm telling you. Uh, although I might, no, I'll, I'll be commentating at that point on Cameron Norrie against Holger Rune, which is 11 o'clock on Grandstand Court. A bit later in the day, we've got Victoria Azarenka against Petra Martic, Diego Schwartzman against Francis Tiafo. Uh, night session and, and that could be electric I yeah, think I agree with you. versus Schwartzman I, t- I totally agree um, night session is going to be Iga Sviantek against Lauren Davis uh, and Yannick Sinner against Brandon Nakashima and then the other matches on Grandstand after the Nori Runa match there's Denis Shapovalov against Andre Rublev oh that's good uh, Karolina Pliskova against uh, Belinda Bencic Clara Burrell against Irina Sabalenka. There's also Dan Evans against Marin Cilic uh, over on court number 17. And oh, a real match for the future here on the WTA side of things with Jewel. Is it Eula? Eula Niemeyer against um, Zheng Xinwen. Mm, that's a great wow. match. Wow. These are good things. These are good matches. Can't <laughs> wait for all of them. Um, so we'll very much look forward to those. Just uh, to remind you as well about our AO Travel competition, folks. This is the US Open. The next Grand Slam is the Australian Open, of course, in January. Now, you, if you're a friend of the Tennis Podcast, could be winning a trip to Australia, two return economy flights, hotel, four days worth of different tickets for you and a guest and a premium experience how good's that i mean it's amazing it's the best prize i've ever heard in my life and one of you is going to win it a friend of the tennis podcast if you're not a friend already um sign up to become one you'll also get a at least 20 bonus podcasts that we've already produced to listen to and we're going to produce others throughout the rest of the year um, and generally you'll be just supporting the tennis podcast because this is how we fund our trips to get where we are right now sitting here at Flushing Meadows it's blooming amazing and we hope you've enjoyed uh, the podcast today and all the way through Catherine is going to be back tomorrow that's the plan um, and uh, she, she, she can't wait to be with us um, our US Open mascot for the week is Phoebe Phoebe's amazing um, I've got my mascot, Darwin. Darwin, I'm going to try to arrest my decline in the predictions. Sign up to the newsletter, folks, if you want to find out what I've got wrong tomorrow. Uh, Catherine's got Carter. Matt's got the dearly departed Gerald. Billie Jean is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. Chris Albert Lee and Carl Weingartner are our executive producers and top blokes. Um, and I should also add that uh, we mentioned the, the incredible nights with honouring Mary Carrillo uh, uh, for the Georgina Clark WTA Mother Award that we attended and we were so privileged to attend on Sunday. We are going to talk about that one of these days. We need Catherine with us when we do it. <laughs> we just need to, to, to be a little bit more calm and uh, less tired and less wiped out from the excitement of a day. I mean, I still haven't processed that either. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's all too much. Um, but anyway, I uh, hope you're enjoying our show. Thank you so much for listening, for all your messages, for the people that stop us when we're here at Flushing Meadows from time to time and say hello. It's all lovely. Um, and, uh, yeah, become a friend if you're not already a friend. Tell your friends about the podcast so lots more people listen to us. Sign up to the newsletter, all of that. Look after yourselves. Enjoy the tennis. We'll speak to you tomorrow.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.